Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying Habakkuk 2a, that's the Prophet Habakkuk, chapter 2, the first part. Uh, I'm going to divide this chapter up into several parts because there are kind of several distinct ideas that are expressed and it kind of breaks up logically. This is Saul Weiner of the Host for Your Podcast. In chapter 1, Habakkuk had just demanded it went the, the chapter one kind of went through three stages. The first stage was where Habakkuk looked at his city, saw corruption, and complained to God. Here I am trying to teach the people to live right, to do right, to be just, to be kind, etc. But people don't listen because they don't see justice. They see the the um, righteous being oppressed by the by the um, by the evil by the. Um, transgressors they see the arrogant uh getting rewarded they see the famous question that bothers us all the time why do we see people prosper when we know them to be corrupt and then god goes ahead and tells Habakkuk, no there is go look look to your look out there look out there you'll see this nation of babylon destruction is coming punishment is coming for this corruption immediately Habakkuk sees and understands whoa this is not what i was looking for this kind of punishment is severe harsh this kind of punishment coming from babylon is at the hands of a human being who is even more arrogant who's even worse who is vicious and and evil and and violent and will crush both the good and the bad and Habakkuk then begs God, "Why don't don't allow us to die and be crushed by this, by this um, indiscriminate uh, suffering and torture and destruction?" Now, Habakkuk is continuing on this theme in chapter two. However, he now turns to God and says, "I had enough. That's it. This is too much." And he says to God as follows, and I'm starting with verse one: "Al mishmarti." I am going to stand here on my guard. Kind of like he says, I'm standing here, God. I'm staying right here. And I am going to stand right next to the Matsar, which is the, the post, the fortress that I'm standing here. And I am going to wait to see what it is that he, that God is going to tell me. I'm standing here and waiting. I need an explanation, says Chavakuk. And what exactly is it going to be that God is going to answer to my rebuke, to my complaint? I filed a complaint with God. This isn't. This kind of punishment is not just. This is not right. I am waiting for an answer, God. And God answered me and he said, Now, um, the answers that God is going to give are going to be these kind of partial answers, these kind of uh, little answers that kind of sort of sometimes answers a little bit, but doesn't really, really, really get to the bottom of the question to which we know we will never know the answer, which is why sometimes we don't see what we think is justice in front of our eyes. And this is what God answers. Kesov chazon. I want you to write down your vision. God says, I'm appearing to you in a vision. I want you to write it down. But write it down clear. Uva er al haluchos. Write it down clearly on tablets of stone so that it's legible, it's readable to anyone. Leman yorotz korevo. So that the reader can read it quickly, easily, without having to figure out what the letters are. I want it to be written nice and clear. This is my answer. 
it's kind of ironic that God tells him to write it down clearly. And then as we study the rest of this book, we'll see that we kind of get a little bit of an answer, but we never really, really get an answer. But that itself is the answer, and let's study it. Ki'od chazon lamoed. There will yet be a prophecy about a time to come. Ki'od chazon lamoed. There will yet be a prophecy about a time to come. It's 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 kind of unusual this language. Why doesn't God just say God is appearing to Chavakuk now? He's giving a prophecy now, and let him just say there will be a time to come. Because and I think that the issue is, is that um, is that he, God is not is is not is not coming here to say that there there is a prophecy now. God is making it clear, I am not giving you the answer now, but I am promising you that one day in the future, you will understand. This is what God is telling him. There will yet one be a day when you will understand justice, when it will make sense. You're not going to hear it today, but one day there will be such a thing. And when this truth comes out, right, via feach lakets, this will um, speak to the end, the absolute time, the veloy uh, and it will not lie. It will be pure. It will be 100%. It will not lie. It will be truthful. It will make sense. And if it delays, and if this time takes a long, 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 long time to come, yitmahameah, Chakelo, wait for it. You have to have faith. You have to wait for that answer. Just have faith that someday it will be understood. This is what God is saying. Ki vo yavo. It will come. Lo yacher. It will not be delayed. Now, what it, it's kind of, again, ironic. He says, lo yacher. It will not be delayed. But meanwhile, he's saying, imit mahama. If it is delayed, if it takes a long time, wait for it. So, in other words, what you have to understand that lo yacher means that when its proper time comes, then lo yacher, it will not be delayed. But that proper time is going to be in the future, a long, long time away. So God is explicitly telling Chavakuk, I am not answering your question now. But, but my answer to you now is that just know that one day in the future, the answer will be understood. Hine, behold... Upla lo yashra nafshobo. This, what I'm telling you now, it takes a lot of humility to understand and accept what I'm saying now. Yes, everyone wants to know the answer now. And to say that I am going to stay with God, I am going to live a just and righteous life, I am going to pursue justice and righteousness, even though I don't understand the answer. But because God promised me that there is an answer somewhere down the road, only a humble person can understand that. So it says, Hine upla, behold, one who is arrogant, one who is arrogant, lo yashra nafshobo. He will never be able to, uh, to, to straighten out his soul with this idea. In other words, he will never be able to conceptualize this idea. Someone who is arrogant will never be able to accept this idea. However, vitzadik, one who is righteous, one who is humble, one who is not arrogant, 
will be able to live and get life from his faith, from his faith that this is indeed the truth, that the truth will one day become clear. And having that faith is what allows the righteous person to live. The arrogant person will never be able to live through this. And we'll never be able to accept this and understand it and then go ahead and live a, a righteous life. This next verse has several different ways of understanding it. I'm about to read verse 5. I'm going to use the Malbim understanding because it seems to me to read the best. It's very similar also to the way the Radak reads this. And he reads it as follows. And even though drinking wine, and now God is looking at the 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 evil man, the arrogant man. And in this particular case, it's the arrogant man who's in charge of Babylon, uh, the king of Babylon, who is, who is arrogant and who is, is, is going to be the one who, who um, perpetrates the evil destruction that we were discussing in the previous chapter. But v'afki hayayin bogeid, even though it is, wine makes the person rebellious, gather your hear, a person who is this man, nonetheless, he is arrogant. You hear, he is arrogant, and he is never at rest. He's always trying to conquer more, trying to get more, trying to gain more, trying to cause more, more destruction. Uh, even though this is what you see, that he goes ahead and he widens his soul like the depths of hell like with this gaping mouth of hell that just swallows everything in destruction. And he is like death itself, that's never satisfied. Death eventually conquers all. And this person who is so arrogant and so drunk on his arrogance that he will never, he'll never accept that he has enough. He will always want to conquer more, always want to eat more like the, the mouth of hell itself. And he's going to keep on marauding. He's going to keep on conquering. He's going to keep on destroying. All, and he's going until he gathers all of the nations of the world. And he gathers to him uh, rulership over all the nations of the world. However, even though that's what you appear, that's what you see, says verse 6, while he's doing that, he's creating a tremendous amount of hatred in the world to him. All of those people that he conquer now hate him, now want to rebel against him. And all of them are now going to be saying, right? They're going to be saying about him all kinds of stories, all kinds of things. They're going to be saying, that evil king, that terrible king, look what he did to us, look what he did to our family, look what he did to our nation. And they are all constantly going to be saying riddles and and, and about him, uh, you know, describing about how evil he is and how terrible he is. Viyomar, and he will say, "Hoy hamar belolo, woe is it to he who gathered so much things that never really belonged to him. He never had a right to do that. He never had a right to take all these things away from us. Ad Masai, until when will this go on? Avtit, until when uh, that we can finally just pour upon him the thick mud that one pours upon a, a, a corpse, a dead body to bury. So this is what the entire world's going to be waiting for. So what God is saying here is a, cer a certain type of justice that one 
often sees in the world, but not always. And that is that when a person is a, is a, is a terrible, terrible dictator, a terrible leader, a person that makes people suffer, that conquers and, and destroys, he creates a legacy of hatred, which eventually will come back to haunt him. And therefore, it says in verse 7, Those people that you owe money to, in other words, you being the, the, this oppressor, this terrible ruler, this, this demagogue, the, those that you owe money to because you stole from them, you took from them, son, one day, suddenly, they will gather enough strength and they will overcome you. They will overpower you. And the ones who... who um, you have shaken up, that you have destroyed, they will wake up. And you will be the one that gets destroyed by them. Why? Verse 8, Because you are the one who plundered so many nations. Therefore, Therefore, all those other nations are going to eventually come and plunder you. Because of all of the lives of human beings that you destroyed. And all of the... the the um, uh, stealing and the theft of land that you took, Kiryah, when you took those cities, and all the people in it, that's why it's going to come back to haunt you one day. This is one type of justice, which is only a partial answer, of course, because it still doesn't explain why God allowed him to destroy the innocent in the first place. But it does, but God is saying that that it is the nature of the world that eventually when one perpetrates evil, it does come back to haunt him. This, I'm going to stop here because this is the end of, a, of an idea in Chavakuk 2. Thank you so much for studying Chavakuk 2a. Looking forward to studying Chavakuk 2b with you as well.